Getting enough of the right kind of sleep is all over the news. What are the issues between nutrition and sleep and the risk for chronic disease? You're listening to ReachMD, and I'm dietitian Kathy King. Joining me today is dietitian and board-certified clinical nutritionist with 43 years of clinical experience, Diana Nolan. She is on the adjunct faculty of the University of Kansas Medical Center, Dietetics and Nutrition Department. She also has a private practice in Burbank, California, where she specializes in complex metabolic conditions, oncology, gastrointestinal, and neurological chronic diseases. Diana is an international educator and speaker in integrative and functional nutrition therapy. Today we will be discussing sleep and nutrition, interactions and issues. Diana, welcome to the program. Glad to be here, Kathy. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad that you're here because I know that you've been very interested in this topic and have been asking people during your nutrition consults how they sleep for a lot of years. Biochemically, how do food and sleep affect each other? I've always thought that if there was a contest between sleep and nutrition, that sleep would win. So as a nutrition practitioner, it's very important. I don't want something to come in and sidetrack what my nutrition interventions are. So I found it very important to ask my clients about their sleep habits and their sleep quality. Do they feel refreshed when they wake up? So I have found that I can help them with some of the nutritional aspects, but also some of the lifestyle aspects that when do they go to bed? Are they on a night shift in their work environment and that type of thing and help to guide them and I have some good handouts I give them on sleep hygiene. But sleep is a primary time in our 24-hour circadian rhythm that we reset our hormone and immune systems. We also clean up from the oxidative reactive oxygen species that are produced during our day when we're kind of beating ourselves up, working hard. And it restores our vitality, getting ready for the next day. In Chinese medicine, they talk about the qi. It's during the night when you sleep that you restore your chi, which is vitality of the cells. So many physiologists and biochemists state that sleep is the most anti-inflammatory event in metabolism. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty powerful. Oh. So it is important to remember the mechanisms that affect the ability to have optimum sleep. And these mechanisms are run by nutrients and their metabolites. So... I thought of the three main ones of the nutrient groups that really directly affect. There are others, but these are the primary ones, and these are the ones I first address when I'm seeing a client, is methylation, how we move carbon groups around in our body. That's the basis of organic chemistry. And so primarily methylation is metabolizing nutrient cofactors of the B-complex vitamins especially B6, B12, folate, and B2. And these are involved in the complex mechanisms that are producing tryptophan, and then that produces melatonin. So any step in that complex mechanism that has a reduced cofactor of those B vitamins can limit the production of melatonin. So we really want to be analyzing that, assessing that for a patient. Sometimes I'll actually do special testing for that to find out their 
status of those B vitamins, and that can help to identify what cofactor and what step is being interfered with in production of melatonin. Of course, that's our sleep, beautiful sleep uh, hormone. Very good. Also, we have the icosanoid series from the essential fatty acids. That's the primary control of inflammation. The more unresolved inflammation in the body, the more disturbance in neurotransmitter function, adrenal function, immune regulation, and that can all have an impact on the ability for good REM cycles to promote restorative sleep. Okay. The last one that I feel is, is major is the mineral status of our patients. Right now, the NHANE study has shown that 80% of a population in the United States doesn't even get the RDA of magnesium. So we know that most patients coming into your office are going to be possibly low magnesium and you want to assess that. And so in mineral status, I really focus in on magnesium and calcium. They're partners. They affect each other and they also work with the autonomic nervous system. So sleep you have to be in parasympathetic mode, relaxed mode, to be able to sleep well. Mm-hmm. Uh, magnesium happens to promote the parasympathetic system. Calcium promotes the sympathetic system. We do need a balance and a, a movement between both of those systems, but they need to be appropriate. We need to move into parasympathetic when we're sleeping. So... The balance between those two minerals are a good example how nutrition can affect sleep. And I will assess that in their intake, in their if they're taking supplements, and I want to get that balanced for them, and that supports their better sleep. Okay. Then that leads me to what are the problems that your patients often have with sleep, and how does that affect them or their eating habits? In other words, does sleep affect nutrition? Oh, yes. The more stress we have, the more our nutrient requirements go up of almost all the nutrients, especially the B vitamins. So you can have an increase in multiple times increased requirement if the stress goes up. So lack of good restorative sleep is a very stressful event on the body. So we know that there are different types of problems with sleep. We know that problems going to sleep, really it would prompt you to think that the biggest problem is low melatonin. And because melatonin is over the counter, I often will ask them to take a one milligram melatonin, low dose, and see if it helps. That's a good test without paying for expensive tests on sleep or testing melatonin. So if it does help, we would suspect that that is one of the main problems in their sleep. But we have another kind of sleep where people are waking during the night and they can't go back to sleep. So when that's happening, we really suspect that there's more of worry, anxiety, having to get up to the bathroom, more of an adrenal stress situation where excitatory cortisol is elevated and waking them up. Or they might have a lack of oxygen from sleep apnea and that'll wake them up in a survival mode, the body wanting to get more oxygen for the brain, or especially people that are pre-diabetic or diabetic, we might see a hypoglycemic event during the night, and that could wake them up. And so we really want to 
assess where they're at with that. It also could just be their sleep environment. And so in lifestyle lifestyle guidance, we can help them to know what's important for a sleep environment to give optimum sleep. Like, are they leaving the light off? Are they going to sleep while they're watching TV? Is there noise? Maybe they live in an apartment where there's a lot of noise near that they can hear, and that keeps them awake. Or maybe lately I've seen a lot more of pet animals waking the patient up, (laughs) and that is something they have to really think about because they love their animals. But if the animal is disturbing their sleep, that has to be evaluated. Also, I have a lot of breastfeeding moms that have to keep waking up to nurse, and maybe they're still nurse breastfeeding and they're still going to work the next day. And so very, very big impact on their quality of life and their metabolism. So you want to address a lot of these lifestyle factors as well as as the metabolic. You're listening to ReachMD. I'm Kathy King, and I'm speaking with dietitian Diana Nolan, and we're talking about sleep and nutrition, interactions and issues. Diana, let me ask you, are there things like caffeine and other products that you can have? I know you should watch out what you're doing, but it depends on your sensitivity and such. Could you discuss that for us for a few minutes about the things that can chemically interfere with your sleep? One of the things you want the base foundation of eating whole foods in balance so you have a good amount from each of the major groups of foods. And you also want to eat three times a day. This can be very individual, but that is the main guideline with no snacking in between because this influences the circadian rhythm, and that's going to influence how you sleep at night. And then, of course, you want to stay away from stimulants. That can be very individual, too. There are some people that can drink a cup of coffee before they go to bed and they sleep fine. Or they might be a person that, If they have one cup of coffee during a 24-hour period, it affects our sleep. And that we're finding is really a lot of influence from their genetics and their ability to, to process the caffeine through the liver detoxification pathways. And so you go by their symptoms and see if if caffeine or other stimulants can be interrupters in their sleep quality. Another one is the artificial sweeteners. We know aspartame is well used throughout the food world. And as an artificial sweetener, it's also called NutraSweet, but it is a nerve excitotoxin. We call it, it's excitatory to the nervous system. And so some people will react to that the way it's affecting the brain and exciting the brain activity. And that can suppress your quality sleep. All right. Well, then I would like to ask you, what resources do you suggest if listeners want more information on this topic? One book that really brought me into this whole issue of sleep was a book, and it's a little bit older, but it's so well done. I would recommend it. It's called Sleep to Save Your Life, The Complete Guide to Living Longer and Healthier Through Restorative Sleep. And it was by Jared Lombardo, Dr. Jared Lombardo, an MD. And what he said changed my whole thinking about sleep. So I would recommend that one. Also, when you're working with families and women that are, you know, having babies, (laughs) that you want, 
you want to have them be aware to start out the child's whole life with sleep habits that will help them be happy, help them reduce chronic disease and all of that. And one book that has helped with a lot of my clients that is Sleep Habits, Happy Child by Mark Wisebluth. And of course, you know, Internet is a, has many good guidelines on sleep hygiene. And that is a critical thing for you to let your patients know. I had a patient, a CPA, come in a couple weeks ago, and he he was so proud that he could stay up till two o'clock and get up at six a.m. And but it was having some problems. And so when I told him about sleep hygiene, it was the first time he had heard it. And so don't assume that a lot of people know that you need to get to bed on time, ten or eleven o'clock. You need to sleep seven or eight or nine hours, depending on the person. You need to get up and get going and have a good diet throughout the day. You need to make sure your sleep environment is very quiet, very dark. You want to avoid light stimulation in the eyes for one to two hours before bed, such as computer, TV, bright lights in a room, and you want to have a comfortable bed. So those are things that are very, very important that I would recommend as resources. That's a wonderful summary and a good ending to our interview today. My thanks to our guest, Diana Nolan. We've been discussing sleep and nutrition interactions and issues. Diana, this has been enlightening. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being with us today. You're welcome. I'm Kathy King, and you've been listening to ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you for listening.